Welcome to the Spirit Anointing the Word, the podcast of Highland Church, Jamaica, New York, with Pastor Subash Cherian. We're so glad to have you with us today, and we're excited about God's Word because it gives us strength and hope for each and every day. Let's listen as Pastor Subash shares this powerful message. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. The first of the new year, 2023, isn't it amazing that we're already here in this brand new year? We're so grateful to God for all that He's done for us in the midst of so much of trials and testing from 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022. We're just praying God will continue to watch safe and keep us and everyone under the shadow of His wings. and and bring us out into safe heaven, and this year would be the day of grace. We don't know what challenges we will face this new year, but we do know the promise of God. Last night, the promise we talked about, in the midst of all that was taking place, Jeremiah was crying for his people. He was crying for the nation and crying out. With all that is being said and done, and all that he could see, there was no hope. And yet he comes to this awesome word from Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22, 23, 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. It's new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And then he says, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The promise for us in the midst of all the trials and testings and things that could come our way this 2023 is number one, the steadfast love of God. It is not something that is capricious. It is steadfast. The love of God. Amazing love that draw us closer to Him with courts of loving kindness. The mercies of God because of Jesus and because of the work of atonement of the blood that was shed. Mercy will never end. And it's going to be new every morning. No matter what challenges, Lord, have mercy. Mercy, mercy. And what is so important and His faithfulness simply means his commitment so let's just keep this year 2023 as very important marking each day numbering our days beginning our day with the lord closing our day with the lord and always giving thanks to the father through jesus christ our lord let me remind you that verse 24 says the Lord is my portion, and because of what Jesus, our Lord, did, He becomes our portion, or we become His. We can hope in Him, no matter what the uncertainties of this year would bring. I want to continue on the five senses, and I want you to understand that the promises of God, you can hear in the flesh, the natural, and it can come down into your very soul into your intellect that reminds you of many things but in the end it must slip deep down into our spirit I've talked about the eyes of our spirit and I'm continuing with the years 
And it's very important we hear what God speaks to us. There's something we need to realize in Revelation chapter, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. We're talking about the creation of man after the image of God, and we find that God formed man of the dust of the ground, and that is basically our physical, our natural body. And then he breathed into his nostril the breath of life. The breath that we have is borrowed from him. It is his. And that is the spirit that God has given to man that communicates with the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, the man becomes a living soul. There is a three-part of man. This three-part, when we talk about, has the five senses. We find, of course, in the natural, we understand the five senses, what we see, what we hear, what we touch, what we smell, what we taste. But go deeper into the very soul, and you're finding the five windows there as well. And then go into the spirit. There is the eyes of your understanding in the spirit, the eyes of the heart. And there's the ear that you hear from the Lord. And there's the taste and the smell and the touch that you can feel in the spirit. Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica, he talks about the wholesome man, the total man. And when you read first. Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, listen to what he says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, totally, not just partially, of the physical or just the soul, but wholly. And I pray that your whole, number one spirit, number two soul, and your body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the spirit, soul, and body. In a world in which we live, we're reminded of the body and the five senses of the body. We forget that there is an important function in our daily lives because if you have to be conscious of things around you, we have to have the consciousness of the five senses. To see, to smell, to touch, to hear, and to taste. That is, in this world, in the terra fera of this city, we need to have our five senses awakened. But what we must also realize is that the five senses of the soul, it's three sets of the five senses. This is so important, and many a times the Christian churches have often looked it and said, it is not of God. Just like there is the Latin power of the body, which you realize would be impossible if you were not to be, un if you do not realize Adam was a perfect, strong man, spirit, soul, and body. In fact, you hear the day I was watching uh, Lionel Messi. Uh, he is the greatest in my reckoning. Someone even said, Is he human? Uh, he's human, all right. Just like Michael Jordan and so many others. What they have done is honed in on something very important with their physical. And it's important. And we need to realize God has gifted us that. And yet there must come to a sense, to a level that would be soul as well. While we need to understand the five senses and the natural, we need to realize this is so much lacking, particularly when it comes to the windows of our soul. 
Many grow up without an ambition, without a picture of a future. And they say, oh, that is wrong to have an image. That is what God gave, the latent power of the soul. Many people don't realize that the physical body, there's only 5%, 10% maximum being used. And yet there is 95% not used. And yet when man is in trouble, all alone in a jungle with the thieves and all the murderers, and his car is caught in a ditch, somehow he does something foolish. He thinks he can get his car out and he uses all his strength, which he had never known before, he actually is able to pull his car out of that ditch. Impossible? Was it some demonic? No. It is the latent power that was possessed by Adam. In the fall, many things fell, but some still have that strength. And yet, when you look at the soul, there are people with acute sense of intelligence, of memory. And when you see the soul consciousness, and that's not evil, they would be like, uh, like this mask who's able to envision the world beyond us and to be able to put money because they have owned it on the solical realm. And it's not wrong for a young man or woman to decide and to have a goal and an image and to be able to see and to be able to hear and smell and touch. That's how great developments and technology come to pass. Neil deGrasse Tyson is an astrophysics. He's from New York City and one of the sharpest minds in terms of astronomy and physics. And he's honed in on what would be the soul latent power. It is something that you've got to exercise. But then there comes a level which is as good as the natural five senses, very important. And then there's the five sense of the soul. But far greater and higher is when your spirit being the candle of the Lord is ignited. You're born again and you must learn to communicate just like you communicate in the flesh. As you speak, as you see, as you hear, as you touch, as you taste. We're not altogether fashioned in the young, but there's a noise. That's one thing frightens the babe. But then he begins to distinguish the sound. He begins to see clearly. It takes gradual. And then, of course, the exercising and practice. So too in the soul. In fact, some people may not have all the five senses in the natural, but they have, they have an abundance of what would be soul. Their eyes are open beyond what the natural eyes cannot see. Ellen Keller was one of them, blind though she was. And yet in the spiritual realm, there's a greater, which basically Fanny J. Crosby, blind, and yet she could talk about what a song, 7,000 song, talking about visions that you and I have never seen, the glories of heaven. I mentioned just 5% of this is used in the natural, just 5% of is, that is used in the, in the soul, in the intellectual, in the, in other words, even Einstein mentioned it's just about 5% or 10% max being used. People have not gone beyond to use what would be their fullest extent. Think about it for a moment. There's so much lying that we have never used 
like a computer, the most modern, and yet we are just playing with the, with the foundation and not gone beyond. What would be the use if we go to heaven not having used all of it, but there's something that is so useful and that is honing on to the spiritual. That is the eyes, the ears, the touch, the smell, and the taste in the spirit. It is so important, and you have to exercise it. Just like in the natural, so in the solical, and so in the spiritual. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14, listen carefully to what Paul, the writer of the book of Hebrews says in chapter 5 and verse 14. He says, exercising to by reason have the senses exercised to discern both good and evil. To have senses exercised to discern that must come with constant use. Your eyes to be able to see more clear. Your ears be able constantly to, to listen to the tiniest. To taste and to let that taste bud flow. To be able to know every ingredient. And to be able to touch. But I'm talking not simply in the natural. I'm talking in the soul. That people can trust, taste something even beyond it come to pass to see and to hear and to discover. But the greatest discovery I had not seen nor heard what God has prepared for his people. You can see and you can hear in the spiritual. It is by exercising the senses to discern. It is so important. So when you look at how it all started, man being formed, it was the clay, the, the, the body, and then the breath of God, the spirit. And then man became a living soul. Now, when you look at this, amazingly, the Garden of Eden, let's look at man in his uh, perfect, uh, perfection before the fall. No man had seen God at any time. God is a spirit, and he that sits on the throne is invisible. To the only wise God, invisible. But I want you to realize something very important. When you turn right there in the book of Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, listen carefully to the first man and woman. There it tells us they heard the voice of God. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And God speaking, Adam, where are you? And of course, they were naked. How come they were naked? Long before they were physically naked, they lost their glory, the light, the glory. And suddenly they were blinded. They were naked, they were blind, and they were ashamed. It began in the spiritual, then entered into the soul fear. And then ultimately, it moved into the physical part. So the first thing where the lights went off is in the spirit. You sin, everything that they did in disobedience were all the five senses being used the wrong way. They heard from God, and yet they listened to the whisper of Satan. They saw with their eyes, they heard the whisper of Satan, they tasted, they saw it was good, touched it, and boom, all the five senses created the havoc 
that man lost that spirit being. I want you to realize in the deepest sense, long after we are dead, long after the physical body lies in the grave, and yet man can see, can feel, can touch, and can taste. Excuse me, Pastor. I want a Bible verse. Read Luke chapter 16. The poor man, sitting at the gates of Lazarus, the rich man, he died when he was taken to Abraham's bosom. The rich man then died, and he went to Hades, a big separation between the two. And yet, the rich man thirsted. He could feel the thirst. He wanted a taste of the water he could see. Lazarus, the poor man in heaven, was a rich man indeed. And he had so much. He could hear. Not so. God saying. In fact, he was dead. And so was the poor man. And yet he could see. How could he see? He could hear. How could he hear? He could thirst. He could taste. He could touch. He could feel the fires burning. How could it be? He's not a flesh being at that time. His soul is still alive. I want you to understand that what we're talking about, a very important subject. You might receive a promise from God, and it could be ritualistic. Yearing with the years, never gone deep. Never been able to mull the wonderful promises of God and chew it. But that being said, you have come to articulate it intellectually, rationally, philosophically. Yes, you have understood more than the natural man, but it must go into the spirit being that you could see the promise, you could hear the promise. You could feel the promise. You could taste the promise and touch the promise. God has spoken that you are healed, but it has never penetrated. The body is still sick, but the most important thing is how sick you be. When God says to your spirit, the spirit communicates to the soul, and the soul says to the body, you are healed. It doesn't matter how much oil you're oiled with, watered with the fountain of water, until your spirit being grasps the truth, the rhema truth of God's word, you would still be sad that you're sick. You would still be in a being of totally sick, even though you have the great promises you got the whole Bible underlined with promises. Yes, to the point you have heard it. And you have intellectually, emotionally, solically grasped it. But until your spirit being is awakened to receive it, you would still be in the flesh and the soul level. And this spirit is important. In fact, everything in the Bible is three-pronged approach. 
when you look at it, all of the promises of God, all of the conditions of God. In fact, it's remarkable. It starts, even the prophetical, starts with something here and now, and then moving into the soul level, and then moving far beyond the corridors of time into the spiritual that will come to pass for those who understand the times and seasons. Think with me about Psalm 23, verse 3 and 4. Here is the psalmist is saying, He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So here the psalmist is literally in physical sense actually a shepherd. He knows the sheep and the sheep knows him. It is the physical. David was a shepherd. Then apart from that, God made him a shepherd of his people, Israel. But now he's gone into the depth of soul to realize this is what it is. He's got the mental picture until it gets into the spirit from the soul. And from the spirit comes to the soul. It restores my soul. And then goes on to say in verse 4, it is both physical, it is solical, but it is spiritual. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Literal. In a plague. During COVID. During epidemic. Literal. I will fear no evil. Now it kicks out in emotion. There's something that you come across in your mind. Maybe something that's troubling you. And yet in the soul, I will fear no evil. And then in the next verse, you're going to find the spiritual. Look what it says. I will fear no ill, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So here's a shepherd, a real shepherd, now moving into the thought and mindset. Let your mind be renewed by the word of God. Into this mindset that no, I'm not the shepherd. There's a greater shepherd than me. He is my shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. The tremendous passage that tells us this truth must penetrate beyond the flesh, beyond the natural into our soul, but beyond the soul. We must see it. We must hear it. We must smell it. We must be able to touch it. And that's what the apostles, and that's what the writers of the New Testament, that which we touched and that which we handled. And Paul says, I know not Christ after the flesh. He's one man who didn't walk with the Lord in the flesh. He's one man never had the opportunity to communicate or hear the lessons or see the miracle. And yet he was way beyond in the spirit. Everything was in the sense of spirit that went into his mindset, into his physical. He says, I bear the mark of Christ in my body. What an amazing man to come to that level. Why he doesn't talk about himself. He says, I know a man 14 years ago, whether in the flesh I know, not on the spirit, but such a man was caught up to be with the Lord in the air. And he saw marvelous things he cannot even describe. 
John did. He says he was in the island of Patmos, thrown away, but he was in the spirit that day and caught up. And everything else has nothing to do with the flesh. It's nothing with the ears of the nature. It's nothing to do with the physical eyes. What he saw, what he heard, what he smelled, what he touched were all in the spiritual. When we go to pray, actually, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 reminds us in verse 15, we pray naturally, and then move into the realm, we pray in the spirit. We sing in what would be in the spirit, but I will also sing with understanding. There's a big difference between the two, and yet we use the mind. No one should stop you in coming to a church and say, put your mind outside, come in the spirit. You need your mind. You think and thank God, but you worship God in the spirit. And so it's important you understand the powerful truth within. It is awesome. You know, when you turn to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 16, the Lord is speaking of things that is far beyond what the natural man could understand. Blessed are your eyes, blessed are your ears, for they see and hear. What? With people in the old days, in verse 17, prophets and righteous men would have given their arm. I'm paraphrasing it. In verse 17, they have not seen what you have seen or heard what you have heard. You are so blessed. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 5. They were in that mountain and suddenly Jesus Christ was transfigured, transformed. And then, of course, they were thinking of making a mold for three. as no comparison. The voice of God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. Exactly what he said in chapter 3 and verse 17 of Matthew. What I want us to understand this powerful truth, we must be able to listen and intently listen to what God is saying. John chapter 10 verse 27, hear you him. And here is what would be John writing like David, and yet this is not in the natural shepherd. Yes, he is, but far beyond. Jesus is saying, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. It is very powerful truth applied every day. We need to recognize hearing the voice of our Lord. There's something we need to realize. The Lord Jesus Christ, I talked about it in so many ways, in so many times in the Gospels, uses this expression, he that has ears, let him hear. We don't need to go through all of this. It simply is written in Matthew chapter 11, verse 15, Matthew chapter 13, verse 9, and verse 43, Mark chapter 4, verse 9, and verse 23, Luke chapter 8, and verse 8, and then Luke chapter 14, and verse 35, he that has ears, let him hear. Excuse me, he's not talking about this year's. In fact, he spoke to them in parable, and the reason he said is for those who can understand, can understand. For those who do not, they do not. Why? Because their spirit is not willing to receive it. 
I'll explain that in a moment. Something very powerful is when Jesus speaks, we must listen. He's the voice of the shepherd. And then again, what happens is the Lord Jesus Christ was with the disciples every day. Just before he ascended, he talked more and more, even towards the climax before the crucifixion, talked about the comfort of the person, the promise of the Father. And he talked so much promises about him. Now I want you to listen to what he says about much later in the Gospels. But listen, when he's speaking to the churches, uh, the great churches, the seven churches, you're going to find in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7 to the church in Ephesians. See that as you uh, hear what the Spirit says. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 11. He is again, let him hear what the Spirit says. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. Again, this is to another church, the, the church in per, uh, Pergamos. Then he's talking to the church in uh, Thyatira in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 20, uh, 22. I, I think it's 29. But then in chapter 3 and verse 6, he's speaking to the church Smyrna. And then he's teach, teaching to the, reaching out to the church in Philadelphia in chapter 3 and verse 11. And then finally, he's speaking to the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 22. Listen carefully to these words. How then do we walk in the Spirit? How can we be led in the Spirit? One of the things we need to realize is the Holy Spirit has come to stay to speak to us. And without Him, we can do nothing. So in a time, we need to look in the natural. When you're driving, of course. When you're working, of course. This is important. Don't do away with it. And then God has given us the windows of the soul. And without which, young people, you cannot function. You've got to have that image. You've got to have a picture. Your destiny depends on all that God has and wired you and put that soul power in you. It is not demonic unless you go into psychic network and, and mingle with all of the demonic, like everything else, natural and spiritism and soulism can move into the wrong sense. But in and itself, in the pure sense, everything is just right. Dance is to the glory of God. Music is to the glory of God. Everything is to, and the, dem the demons come in and completely tend it. It doesn't mean we have to discard just because there is counterfeit. One of the things we need to realize in importance of recognizing the walk in the Spirit is very powerful. Let's just go back to Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Just like in the, in the mountain of transfiguration, here in the baptism, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, towards the end of his ministry, Jesus Christ again and again is talking about the Holy Spirit. So that's why we go to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7. Listen to what the Spirit is saying. How do you listen? You're born again, and you have that just like a babe that has the ears, the eyes, the touch, the smell, and the taste, and all of that. But you have to exercise your senses, as in the natural, so in the soul, so in the spirit. What you find 
is a very important expression. You and I are here because of a natural birth. But then, a rebirth takes place where there is a regeneration of the Spirit. So if you were to turn to John chapter 3 and verse 6, He that is born of the flesh is flesh, and he that is born of the Spirit is spirit. He that is born of the Spirit is spirit. You are born again, and your spirit man is come alive. Some people boast about the gestations, the various uh, spiritual exercises and ritualism and traditions and religiosity. Maybe they have a point. I was watching Facebook where this man takes them into this particular religious place and see, y'all don't bow like we do. We don't prostrate like we do. He's right. But the fact of the matter is, he is in the Old Testament. I want you to realize all of that had expressive meaning to it. All of the civil, all of the codes that were there, ceremonial. But once Jesus Christ died, I talked about the priest one time a year on the Day of Atonement. But you don't have to go back there. The door is opened. The curtains have been wide open. And you can go not just once, every moment of the day and go to Abba Father and say, Father. There were all times of expressions. You wore the attire. You carried all of the paraphernalia. If you have to be hurt, you got to go round and round and round just to approach God. So much blood sacrifice, so much pos Falling down here, falling down there. Some people say you got to face towards the east for God to hear you. Some says you have to face to the west. Some says you have to actually kneel down. All of that we did in the old religious world. But something Jesus said is very important. When you turn to John chapter 4 and verse 23, Father is searching. For such people, excuse me, that worship in style and pomp in the flesh and ritual, they had their place of importance. You cannot compare what the Father is looking for. But the hour cometh and now is. It began the very day the Holy Spirit came. Through worshipers, there are worshipers and worshipers and through worshipers. True worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Excuse me? That is what the Father is searching for. And in verse 24, listen to what John says. He says, God is spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So I need the Holy Spirit. I need the word of God so I could worship him. My friend, if I have time, I will kneel. If I have time, I will face to the east or to the west. My father is going to hear me. To the north or south, the father hears me. There's no restrictions. I don't have to wear an attire. I have to, don't have to bring the Old Testament just to impress anybody. I don't have to blow anything. They had a reason for all of that. I can just come in the subway and while things are going on, 
I am in heaven with Jesus Christ while I'm in the subway. Caught up while the body is still doing what, and the body sees, can hear, can touch the emotions and, and the intellect, but right away, Abba, Father, it is because of the blood and because of the oil of the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand two go together, the Spirit and through the Word. The Spirit anoints the Word, and the Word is the litmus for what Spirit it is. When you look at John chapter 14 and verse 16, Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit. He says, and I will pray the Father that he will give you another. What do you mean another? Just like Jesus. But he can't be in the flesh everywhere. But the Holy Spirit, he abides in you. Now think with me for a moment. In the natural, you are all alone. In the faraway Patmos Island. And you're saying, I'm alone. And suddenly you feel Satan somewhere behind the bush. Don't be perturbed. He is there. You are here. But you are not alone. I will abide in you. Quicken the Holy Spirit. Or quicken your mind, your heart, your eyes. And say, thank you, Holy Spirit. When you turn to John chapter 16 and verse 13, he's going to guide you. And listen to what it says, albeit when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you to all truth. He shall not speak of himself. Whatever he shall hear, he shall speak. He will show you things to come. I like the way when you are led by the spirit. I know how it is to be led by what you see, led by what you taste, led by what you smell led by what would be the goals of your soul because you have put the picture that I want to be a doctor, I want to be the artist, I want to be the sportsman, and you would basically be pulled, motivated, and it's a big magnetizing point in your life. But I want you to realize something very important, far greater. When everything else is done in this world, there's something that is still there in heaven. And that is very important, worshiping in spirit and in truth. But listen to what it says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. Then he bears witness with our spirit. Romans chapter 8 and verse 16. That is what he does. He bears witness in our spirit. So it's a sense of him bearing witness and saying, that's right. No matter how bad the situation outside, no matter how turbulence we are facing in our mind, the Spirit of God bears witness. Don't move. Don't be ashamed. What you find is what 46, know that I am there. Though the earth be removed, the seas be turling, but the Lord is present, is a very present help to those who are in heavy need. I want you to realize what is so powerful in John chapter 15 and verse 26. 
Again, he's talking about one that comes when the comforter is come, whom I will send from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. That's what Jesus said. Constantly reminding you, just like, like the servant of Abraham, reminding Isaac, uh, uh, Rebecca, constantly of who she is going to meet the bridegroom. Constantly the whisper of the Holy Spirit reminding us soon and very soon we're being prepared for the, the wedding, the great wedding day. The bride is being prepared. And this is something the Holy Spirit says, come, and the bride too, when you turn to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17, the bride and the Spirit says, come, he that is thirsty, let him drink. This is so important. What I find what remarkable is when you go into Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, something happened that changed the history of the church and somewhere we have placed the Holy Spirit in the back burner. It is to our own detriment. It is to our own shame. You see, my friend, without the Holy Spirit, the church is but a club. In fact, the clubs can be better. But I want you to realize what makes the church dynamic is the person that God has given the Holy Spirit. And what you find is an uh, incredible way in which he begins to move. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues and something that they were able to speak beyond the language of the angels into the language which is close to the heart of God is the language of faith. In fact... 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we don't walk by what we see, but we walk by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, it's not the visible things that we see, but it's the invisible things. We find in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 2, these elders received a good report. Why? Because they did not see the visible. In spite of all their frailties, they saw the invisible. What do you mean invisible? They saw something that the natural eyes could not see, the natural ears could not hear, the natural touch and feeling and smell and taste could not. They saw beyond that. We must be able to transcend to that place with the Word of God. It's very important. And to understand the Spirit of God speaks, it must be exercised. Like you want to be, whatever you want to be, an engineer, you have it, and it doesn't come presto. It means hard work. You have the picture. And then you begin to go into everything that would be necessary to be the engineer, the doctor, the scientist, or whatever it is. And ultimately, you are where you are because of what you saw, what you heard, what you felt, what you tasted in the soul. But when you look at it in the spirit, it is very powerful. Think about a man that was having a great revival in Samaria. The entire city of, of Samaria was turned upside down. He could have taken time to photograph himself. He could have taken time to write a whole lot and tell a whole lot of things and hyperbolate it and say, this is amazing, I did it. No, he didn't have time. Right in the midst of a mighty revival, the angel of the Lord said, go into a far long place from Samaria into somewhere in the desert. And now when you come to Acts chapter 8 and verse 29, the Spirit of God is telling Philip, go, get into the limousine. 
This is an Ethiopian eunuch that is actually coming from performing his religious duties, and he's going back to the queen in Ethiopia. Can you believe the audacity of this man getting up and saying, hey, I've come here. The Holy Spirit has prepared the Ethiopian eunuch to be able, the chancellor, to be able to listen to the word he couldn't understand. And now is Philip. If you call it strange happenings, it is Holy Spirit that guided. He must be your guide. Think with me for a moment when you turn to a man that is so boastful of his culture, even though he was spiritual. You have a lot of them around, don't you? It's not that they're not saved. They're saved, but their mind is a village mind. It's the culture. It is the image that they have. You know, many of us, we have this in our taste, in our smell, in our seeing. So, supposing if a dog was to come your way, two reactions you have. Two different people have two different reactions. Our experience and our culture gives you these two different consequences. One, like me, love dog. You say, hey, puppy, come here, come here, come here, and will want to hug him. The other person runs away because he was bitten like a child. So he is fearful. Some women love flowers. Some women just reminded of the funeral of their mother. And they can't think in terms of flower without the picture of the loved one that was in the funeral home. What I mean is everyone has an experience, but we must come to that, not the culture, not the experience, must come to that spirit and truth to understand the reality. So listen to this. Peter was a spiritual man, and yet he was bound by his tradition. And God had to open his mind by a dream, a vision. And he saw sheep full of different animals. Eat and kill. Kill and eat. Oh, no, 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 no. But by the time the end of what was taking place, when you turn to Acts chapter 10, verse 19 and verse 20. Listen. And Peter taught on the vision. The Spirit said to him, Behold, three men seek you. That was what he told Cornelius. And his man was sent, three men. And then in verse 20, it says, And he arise, therefore, go down, go with them, nothing doubted, for I have sent them. Much later, he was put into the carpet because of going into the Gentile home. There were Judaizers then, as it is today. They judge you by all the outward appearance. And all he had to say was the Spirit, the Spirit, bade me go, I went. Not doubting, not asking questions. That is simply beyond your culture, beyond your expression and your experiences. The Holy Spirit must triumph over your culture, over your party, over your nationality, over your background, no matter what. The Holy Spirit has the final say. He sees beyond the natural. He sees beyond the solical. What I want you to realize is an incredible way which the Holy Spirit speaks to us even today. You know, this is a man that was in the temple. He's been to the temple. I talked about uh, Isaiah. But that very day in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, he heard a voice. It was in the Spirit. 
who shall go for me? And here was Isaiah saying, here Lord, I will go. It is in the spirit that he saw things and the spirit he heard the voice of God. You know, you can read Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10. There was a demonic uh, woman who was delivered, uh, all of this. And then you find in the end of that, uh, from verse 6 and towards the end, he goes to prison. But uh, from verse 6 onwards, this is what he had, a natural plan. We should have natural plan that is intellectually, that is in terms of physical. Without a plan, you will fail. But then there are times when the Holy Spirit will come and speak to you beyond your human understanding and plan. So they had basically wanted to go to Mapsia, they wanted to go to Bithynia. But when you turn to verse 7, the Holy Spirit forbid them. Then when you go to the next couple of verses, again they were forbidden. By the time you come to verse 9 and 10, you find what is amazing, a vision that appears. A man from Macedonia saying, come. So God is not only speaking audibly, God is not only speaking in the spirit, but he's speaking in the night watches, come. And so they set sail to Macedonia and the course of church history moves there for that time. I want you to realize what an incredible way these things begin to happen. And God begins to move in a, such a marvelous way. You and I are the home of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about the body per se, but yes, body, but listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. It's a very powerful truth. What do you not know that your body is the temple? Of, my body is decaying. My body just cannot handle, but we need to take care of our body, natural. We need to take care of our mind. Oh, you see, I'm losing my mind. Then do something about it. Don't sit there and watch television 24 hours. You've forgotten what movie you watched yesterday. Exercise your senses to discern. But don't you know that your body is also the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have? That is very powerful, isn't it? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. Look in what a marvelous way he's writing Second, uh, First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man received not the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness. You must value the things of the Spirit. When you weigh, all of them are important. But when you look at the balance, what the Holy Spirit says, even though it may be smack the fact, faith triumphs over fact. It's not the fact is lie. But the fact can only be so much. The things that are visible is held by the invisible. Facts are facts, but the things that are invisible, eternity holds and basically is the reason why the facts are there. Far greater, far higher than the world of fact. Oh, haven't you heard the news on CNN and Fox? Yes, I just heard the Holy Spirit say, he said it a little different. So understand what Paul is saying. A very powerful truth in which he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and verse 10. This is amazing. 
He says, but as it is written, I hath not seen, nor hear heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things in the verse 10, goes on to say, the things which God has revealed unto them by his Spirit. God has revealed unto us by the Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things. I'll just do a little more and then we will go into communion. Listen to what it says in Mark chapter 4 and verse 9. He that has ears, let him hear. And then when you go to the same chapter, Mark chapter 4, verse 23 and verse 24, you're going to find that Jesus is saying uh, deep down into your own being. Let's wait for Mark chapter 4 and verse 23 and verse 24. You're going to find this is amazing that the Holy Spirit is speaking and says, let your robe be opened and listen. If any man have ears, let him hear. And verse 24 goes on to say, and he said unto them, listen to what it says, take heed what you hear, with what measure you meet, it shall be measured unto you, and to what you hear shall be given. The more you hear and understand and do it, the more will be given to you. This is very powerful because what Jesus says in Matthew, uh, in Mark chapter 4 and verse 33, look at what it says in verse 33. It's very powerful because he says, and with many such parables spake he unto them as they were able to hear it. And he was asked why. He said people who don't want to hear the spiritual things will not understand. People who want to hear, they will understand. So attune to what the Holy Spirit is saying. You can train your ears to the point that you can hear pin drop. You can train your taste to the point you can also precisely say what are the ingredients. You can train your eyes to be able to see and to be able to feel. If that is so in the physical, so is in the solical. So much more in the spiritual. Something we need to realize, my friend, is when you turn to this very passage uh, where people are not able to hear, it is simply this. In Matthew chapter, uh, I believe in chapter 7, verse 24, decides the one who heard and did what he heard, it was like building a house strong. And in verse 26, one who heard didn't follow the instruction, it was like a sinking mud hole of a house that fell. Your foundation ultimately in the spiritual and eternity depends as much as in the natural. In the natural, you want to have a strong foundation. So in the soul. And how much more in the spiritual. But you're going to find there are areas where we find particularly three areas that we really cannot perceive and understand. And it's very simple. Matthew chapter 13 Verse 19 tells you the first impediment to our spiritual hearing. It is simply that it's in the roadway where everything walks through and the ravens pick up. You just left what is so costly out there, spilling it out, spilling it out. What God speaks to you before you speak out, let it be in your spirit and mull it over and then let it be exercised. And then you have... In Matthew chapter 
13 and verse 20, the rocky hard stony ground. Unfortunately, it is the wrong place. It just is not growing. And then in chapter uh, 13 and verse 22, it is, the, it is the thorny grounds. It's just basically cannot grow. And then there's the good ground in verse 23. There is something we need to realize that when it comes to spiritual hearing, one very important thing that the principle we need to realize is found in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20. And listen to what the prophet is saying about those that seek to hear. He says to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. They just haven't got it. And then some people will hear the deep sermon just because the preacher didn't hang up on a chandelier or he didn't squing and shout and do that. People don't pay attention. The things of the word and the spirit doesn't need any manipulation. I don't need to manipulate anybody. Oh, no, oh, it's going to be. My friend, Jesus simply spoke the word. Those who perceived, received it and understood what is so important is look at the way people treat the word today. It is like a pipe piper trying to speak and sing. And for some, it is like a beautiful music and like a beautiful song. They didn't know what it was about. They jumped up, they shouted, but two hours later, they didn't know what they jumped up for and what they shouted about. Ezekiel 33 and verse 32 gives this very important principle. Listen to what he says. The prophet is saying, Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 32, Lo, you are like unto a lovely song of one that has pleasant voice. So it's articulation, it's oration, and can play well on the instrument. But they hear thy words, and it did not mean anything. Excuse me? I love the way you speak. I love the articulation. I love the oration. I love the fluency. God is not interested in being a Shakespeare to you. He's interested in speaking the word to you. Receive it for all it's worth. Why then is it that people cannot hear and receive? Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11 says, because they are dull of Hearing. I cannot give you strong meat. So what do you think people talk about? I saw on Facebook this man. I tell you on God's word, you will become a millionaire. Just send me a thousand dollars. I'll become a millionaire. My friend, if you work hard and save money, you can become a better millionaire. I want you to realize this, my friend. People are dull of hearing. They want exciting. Exciting. Think about your news anchor. If the news anchor got up and said, I've got news tomorrow. Oh, it's going to rain, 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 rain. Boom, boom, boom. Excuse me. You say, I want to change the channel. What's he doing? He just tells you the fact, the way it is. Walter Cronkite was a great guy. He just spoke like it was in the home, like a fireside chat. You listen to him. He didn't have to make some monkey business out there. And that's what we need today. Plain, simple truth. Can you say amen? 
There's something we need to realize the day in which we live, we're living in a very difficult time. Listen to what 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4 says. It's very important. He tells us what's happening. For the time will come, it's already here. When they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap. In verse 4 goes on to say, next verse, they will heap up, uh, they shall turn away their years from truth, and they shall turn into fables. Um, they shall heap up with itching ears, people with itching ears. Oh, I'd like to hear some more of it. Something very important we need to understand is the word that we need to hear, and him in the Spirit of God speaks, and his word is important. And that's why 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, listen to it, the word of God, it is a scripture, is given by inspiration of God, is profitable, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Why that the man of God would be thoroughly furnished unto all, all good works. How important is the word? Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It, the word of God is sharp. It is quick, it is powerful, it is sharper than any chord, uh, than any piercing even. I don't understand, the whole chat verse is not there. Asunder of the soul and the spirit and so forth. And this is important, we understand, it helps us distinguish what is of the flesh, what is of the soul, what is of the spirit. Again, Psalm 138 and verse 2, towards the end, you have magnified your word about your name. That is very powerful. Very powerful indeed. Summing it, I want you to understand a very important truth is simply we need to realize as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, listen to what he says. I want you to hold this communion. In the natural, this is just a cup. It's just a container. I tear this open, and I see bread. And in the natural, that's all it is. But it's important that I touch it, feel it, see it. I open this flap, and I see the grape juice. They're natural. And so when I touch it, when I eat it, I taste it, I smell it. It is all of the natural ingredients of the five senses. But at this very moment, while you and I are participating, our mind, our soul is taking us back to the day we came to Jesus. At the cross, at the cross, at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father opened our eyes. And we go back the day we receive Jesus, and then we go back to literally what took place, and that is a divine revelation. That we believe with faith Jesus Christ died for you and for me. But I want you to go beyond the natural taste, see, hear, feel, touch. And go into the emotion where I know some people just weep. Some people rejoice. It's a sad day, but the greatest joy for us because Jesus saved us. That we can go to be with the Father forever. Our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But I want you to get 
a eureka moment. I want to get you to that cellar pause moment where the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And this is what is so important. Within this natural cup is the mystery of what took place, not this cup, but it takes us all the way to Calvary. And it takes us beyond Calvary in the spirit all the way to the heavens where that blood is upon the altars of heaven. And there's one word, mercy. And that is why I say, is mercy never ends. It's new every morning. Mercy. Mercy. And when I taste and when I drink of this, I drink in life. There's the natural, but I'm drinking of what the Father has given in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, the cup of blessing. Can I see blessing? No. Can I see love? No. Can I see uh, everything that I can't see in the natural? But I know what love is. I know what wind is. I know what blessing is. But you see, my friend, love makes an impact. The breeze and the wind make an impact, even though I don't see. And the blood makes the biggest impact as I go beyond the natural taste and smell and see and touch. I go beyond the mental, beyond what took place in Calvary when I knelt down at the cross. Suddenly, I'm transfixed in the very presence of the Father. And I see him at the throne room. And I see Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, seated with him. There's glory and honor in chapter 4 to the Father. And chapter 5, worthy is the Lamb. And what else do I see? The masses of people, billions of them, from all continents of the world. I see you. I see me. Worshipping God. I do not care what will happen tomorrow. I will be with the Lord forever and forever. I have to soap. And that is why the Lord is my portion. Can you say the Lord is my portion? Therefore, I will hope. Take that promise. Lamentation chapter 3, verse 24. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I have hope. Past what Jesus did. Present what he's doing. Past what he saved. Present what he's saving. And what he will continue to save all the way to the end. Shall we stand to partake of this communion? As you take this bread, it's a real bread. There's no magic about this bread. And just as real was Jesus Christ, but far beyond the reality is before he became flesh, he was the Word. And the Word was with God the word was God. As I partake of this, I'm eating the bread, but hey, John chapter 6 tells me I'm eating the very presence imbibing Jesus. His virtue, His holiness, His strength, His blessing, everything. And I want you to understand the spiritual revelation, Christ in me, the hope of glory. I am blessed by Him. I'm imbibing that blessing because he took the curse. Can you say amen?
Can you see your curse removed? Can you see all the condemnation removed? Can you see Jesus Christ saying, blessed are you. Be blessed as we eat of this and drink of this. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the word of the Lord. To learn more, please visit our website, highlandny.org, or our Facebook page, Highland Church, New York. Until next time, may God richly bless you.